Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Supported by The Gelded End, the number one Leeds United memorabilia site. Visit thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to Podcast 59. I'm pleased to say I'm joined by the usual crowd, Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. A little bit later on in the show, we will be having a special guest on the telephone, Andy Pye, who's behind the Wish You Were Here uh, 80s Casuals book and photographic exhibition. We'll be speaking to him a little bit later on. Uh, First, let's say that magazine issue number six is the current one. It's out now. How many do we have left? Enough. Some left. Issue seven will be out for the Blackpool match, so look out for that there. Uh, don't forget, you can still get subscriptions online. Go to thesquareball.net. White watching. Just the two games then, this time, rather than the dozen that we had uh, in the last podcast. We were really, really worried about getting a pace in Moscow. You said we might concede 10 against Spurs, but it didn't happen. Uh, we beat them. Such is the enigma that is Leeds United. Well, 10 was, it wasn't a prediction. It was a fear. And who was to know that when the, the side was revealed and... Um, it was browned and varnied up to its eyeballs. The uh, the sighing and the the wailing and the moaning. I think probably most people going to the ground at two o'clock for the unusually timed kickoff were probably all expecting ten. And instead, what we got at quarter past two was a brown assist and a varney goal. I'm not having brown assist on that. I don't think Jude. I'm barely it? barely allowing a varney goal. Did you actually get a touch on that or not, do we think? Does no. It, does it matter? Somebody who wrote these notes here has described major egg on faces, I presume the faces is ours and the eggs are Brown's, um, as Brown threaded a pinpoint through ball for Varney to open the scoring in emphatic fashion. <laughs> I wrote that. That was uh, slightly tongue in cheek. What mad lies was this? There was no threading of a pinpoint <laughs> through ball. He wasn't even looking. He hooked it over his shoulder and I've noticed since seeing that goal, I know... Goals for Leeds United shouldn't annoy a person, <laughs> but it did kind of. And since then, I've noticed how many times our players, and Brown especially, will sort of be facing one way. He'll be facing towards his own goal, and he'll just hook it over his shoulder and then just turn around and see where it's gone. And that's what he did here. What you're saying is there's no credit for, for Michael Brown here? No, he can stay fucked off as far as I'm concerned. Uh, a bit harsh. He, but, did, he did play well in this game. Yeah. What, what about what about Varney? And Varney took his goal well. Going to be top scorer this season, your man, my man. Yeah, 
Late it's time surge. for him to shine yet. Now we've got that bloody disruptive Becchio out of the way. I mean, it, it was a real um, panic moment, wasn't it, pre-match when you found out that both Brown and Varney, the bet noir of the camp. Mm. Uh, and um, when he ran through on that ball as well, everybody <laughs> shouted, pass it, pass it! <laughs> he should have passed it. Yeah. He should oh, have passed fuck's it. Like you've scored! He should have passed. He was very close to cocking it up as well. I know you've put scored in an emphatic a, fashion. Great he went way too close yeah, to the Freed, keeper. Freed had actually committed and come out. Yeah. So again, no credit for Varney. Then, well, no, some credit for Varney because he did eventually score, but he should have passed. And he also McCormack sh- was in loads of space in the middle. <laughs> he also should have celebrated. That yeah. would have been nice to see as well. Instead of marching off, was like, "Ha, see, see what I can do." Yeah, we saw you. We saw you at Southampton as well. It yeah. doesn't immediately make you brilliant. You can score from twenty yards out, but not from twenty inches out. And we did worry, didn't we, when uh, when Becchio was left out? That was the, it. Was the inevitable sense of doom? Oh God, he's off. Well, that was something that tempered the whole win. Yeah. It was like a, a cloud over. You got it I right. mean, it's it's fantastic. We beat Tottenham Hotspur in the FA Cup quite emph- thought, quite emphatically, I would say. But I did sort of feel slightly disappointed that we did it without Luciano Becchio. Yeah. Well, like the, I'd have liked it more if you'd been there to enjoy it with us. The replay at Birmingham as well, in the previous round, didn't play. Well, I mean, value. nobody enjoyed Birmingham. These what are just that? going to show that Warnock's right. We are better off without him. And it's, it's now been scientifically proven over 90 <laughs> minutes. In fact. Are we really, though? Are we really? Mathematically oh, speaking, Brown plus Varney minus Becchio equals football. Equals goals. <laughs> Apart from against Cardiff. Apart from that. Big credit yeah. to Ross McCormack in this game uh, for a, a really, really good finish from another lofted through ball from the halfway <laughs> line. I'm seeing a pattern there. Well, um, was, there was a bit more measurement to it from Juve in that he actually looked at and the he meant that it. there was half a pitch empty and figured, well, if I just put it somewhere over there, um, that'll be fine. Um, and let someone else run for it yeah. rather than him run for it. And that it. banana skin I left on the pitch earlier. If it had been the other way around, Juve would not have been able to do it. But McCormack was, uh, yeah, he enjoyed that finish. And in the post-match interviews, he was very emphatic about saying he wanted to be up front and maybe, you know, now if Luciano's buggering off, then this is his chance before we sign Steve Morrison. <laughs> and Habib Habubu, don't forget. Mr. Lover, lover. So McCormack's even further down the pecking order than he might have expected, but he has at least got that goal. Um, Should keep him in the side for another 45 minutes anyway. Yeah, until he has one bad half and then Warnock loses. <laughs> Haul him off. Him again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we won't be selling him for a while. He has to stay whether he likes it yeah. or not. That Bale's a bit good, isn't he? But Sam Byron's better. He was all right. He didn't look that good. He didn't look as good as he did on Match of the Day. It's always when you see them in the flesh. Smaller, puny. They all looked really big, actually, the Spurs players. I did notice that. Quite fast as well, weren't yeah. they? I know it's brown. Like, almost there. like athletes, you mean? Yeah. yeah, some of them. They look like they'd been training and stuff. Yeah, like they've been lifting weights and things. <laughs> cheating. I was, I was surprised. I'm, I'm uh, going to put it out there that they're all being fed steroids. <laughs> <laughs> they were all on bicycles as well. Um <laughs> I, I was surprised that Brown was able to actually be quite as uh, stomping as he was because he did the thing in the first 10 minutes that I caught him doing to Frank Lampard in the Chelsea game as well, which was after Lampard, and I think it was Scott Parker that he did it to in the Spurs game, after Lampard had passed it off, Brown kind of ran up behind him and gave him a shove in the back, <laughs> at which in the Chelsea game, Lampard turned around and was like, what was that? And then uh, tackled him and Brown jumped out of the way like a girl and then the, the midfield battle was, was won by Lampard. Spurs, Scott Parker kind of turned around and went... So you mean Scotty Parker, sorry? Sorry, England. Scotty Parker. In- England, Scotty Parker. Oh, he's a great player, yeah. He's crying, crying into a flag as he was. Um, turned around and did the same. He was like, what was that? But then Brown just kept on doing it to him. Parker, all he had was turn around and go, what are you doing? Why do you keep just shoving me for no reason? Just stop. But that's the whole purpose, isn't it? He just annoys people and puts people off and disrupts them. And 
And I'm saying Lampard didn't let it uh, put him off. He turned around and, and went for like a knee-high well, tackle and settled him. Clearly worked against Scott Scotty Parker, didn't it? It did. So well done, Brown. Your anti-football <laughs> and your uh, overhead hooks were, were worth their weight in gold for a, a victory in a competition we're not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I read um, I read somewhere, I think it might have been on Twitter in the post-match, people saying, you know, why don't we do that every game? And it was this was bordering on tactical, I think. Somebody was saying that because we were basically playing on the counter-attack, we weren't too bad because Brown could afford to just sit there as the park bench oddy and um, and just you know disrupt things, break things up, mm. give it to someone, and then we, we hit them on the counter. Whereas when we're forced to attack and take the game to people and be athletic and, and run skillful. around, yeah, we just can't do. We it. struggle to do that. So maybe that's the explanation for why we can't do it every week. Well, I think the other thing is that Brown doesn't isn't normally successful every week. He struggles. <laughs> he managed to boss Parker and Huddleston. Um, he doesn't normally meet with that sort of same success in every league game and does tend to just end up looking like a, a kid while the people are playing triangles around him. I, I found it very interesting afterwards that Moussa um, Dembele, £15 million Moussa Dembele, said that Spurs weren't really up for it on the day. It did appear that way, I must say, because I expected at 1 and 2 nil that they would absolutely pour forward and get right on top of us. I mean, you can give us credit for it, I suppose, for breaking it up, but they never really did. But they're the quintessential FA Cup team. They they love the cup. Probably, and their mums. And their mums. Their mums have probably had to cancel the uh, Open Top Bus Parade they book every year. So it's, it's quite clear that even though there probably should be a little bit of egg on our faces, we are wiping said egg off and dismissing it and flicking it away nonchalantly because... Because we can. I think Spurs yeah. did help us a bit because they played very high up, which is what Vias Boas always does. Mm. And both of our goals came from balls over the top. And I think it also meant that the whole game was quite compact in our half. So there was never huge amounts of space for them to run into. Or think, Brown had to move into. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's maybe how come Warnock was able to put together a tactical plan? Because he's seen AVB's Tottenham on match of the day quite regularly. Listen to Alan Hansen saying about a high line and he's thought, mm. Yep. And he's played, uh, he obviously played against him, I don't know, I assume he was manager of, Spurs, of QPR when they played Spurs last season, uh, Chelsea even. So he's seen, you know, he's probably got some scouting reports left over from uh, from when he was QPR manager. Whereas, Mick Jones is, whereas this year when it comes to uh, Cardiff or Burnley or whoever, he's not bothered sending the scouts. Whereas, oh no, I know about these. I've seen them on the telly. What we do is we get with Jufy. Just knock it over the top because their defenders will be they'll be in our half. Plenty of room. Let McCormack he can do his thing. And Brownie in the centre circle. Don't pass it back to Kenny. Just hoof it over your shoulder. <laughs> Go, hoof it that way, not yeah. that way. Oh, so, practically an overhead kick. Well, one thing I did notice from this game, and it carries over into the the Cardiff game in which we played quite well, um, is that it's amazing what you can achieve when you've got players playing in their natural positions, like White not on the right hand side of midfield. Put him at left back where he's mm. more comfortable. Mm. Who knew? Yeah, Peltier. Yeah, but but now we've signed Warnock, we can get him back to the right wing and ruin him. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? It, it, like McCormack in his favoured position, Peltier at centre back, where he was been far more effective and looked like a footballer. Yes, it works. And we could boss the Premier League if we were up there playing like that every week. I reckon next we should experiment with a bit of width in midfield as well. Let's not run before we can walk. <laughs> just to uh, yeah, just to wrap up the uh, Spurs game, it was all Becchio's fault. Nice to see thirty thousand back in at Ellen Road, decent ticket prices and all that. And we've got Man City away in the next round. Gulp. That'll be 10 goals. <laughs> Optimistic as always. Well, we'll look forward to a prediction uh, for that game towards the back end of the podcast and the bit where we do the uh, stupid predictions. But on to the, uh, the Cardiff game and our biannual defeat to the Redbirds. Yeah, you knew it was coming, didn't you? Even though we played quite well, it was... I didn't expect it to be like this, though, <clears throat> because 
we were all right. I left this game happier than I left the Bristol and the Bolton games, where I left just thinking, God, we're shit. They'll we'll never, poor, be, we'll never beat anyone. But isn't, they it, great. It, but isn't it how you get promoted, though? You win games when you're not particularly good and possess enough uh, threat up front we, to we, score. We have won some games you know, where we've not been particularly good, so <laughs> no, but really when you, to have like threat up front like Fraser Campbell, only 650 grand, not breaking the bank to sign him in the transfer window, but you know, it was the difference in this game. Wasn't His uh, dad's a Leeds fan as well, apparently, so what the why, why didn't that work in our favour, eh? Come well, on. Actually, the difference in this was Byron dropping the bollock, wasn't it, really? Not really. No. It, well, it, <laughs> yeah. Not entirely. He did He did gift him the goal, but we'll leave criticising him to Neil Warnock. I bet he tossed strips off him in that dressing room. Well, he, he was going on about it, him letting the mistake affect the rest of his game. But only if you keep harping on about it, Colin. Yes, it <laughs> I'm never going to let you forget. There was always a, a Grayson thing. Mikulik could frequently be blamed for an error. And he would always just kind of, you know, I'm not picking out an individual player, even though he's burning. Really obvious. But you could see Lubo reflected in his eyes. Yeah, that would be nice. But Byron's due on, especially if we're going to play him at right back when he clearly should be playing in midfield. I'm not sure I agree with that. I quite like him at right back. Would you like him more in midfield? Have you seen him in midfield? I suppose given we don't have any other right right midfielders, he might not be too bad there. I think I just work from the point of view that he's clearly our best player. And he's playing in probably the least effective position for. And he can actually play it out of defence rather than hoofing it from one corner of the pitch to the other. So if you imagine that applied to midfield, it might be something wonderful. Well, Warnock's got 17 games to beat that out of him yet, so. Stephen or, or Neil? <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> Give it time. It is confusing the hell out of me that I wouldn't yeah, talk about yeah. that in a while. That, but that's the, not going to work. The headlines keep throwing me out. Uh, other stuff to note from this game then, it was nice to see Bellamy denied a goal. That twat always scores against us, doesn't he? And it was good to see him uh, ruled out. Him and Brown on the same pitch was a difficult take. <laughs> you know, one of them plays for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that. Uh, looking at it from a, an impartial point of view, I wouldn't have liked to, uh, you know, as an advert for championship football, the great moan off. Of, uh, <laughs> Brown and Bellamy. Great twat off. <laughs> <laughs> they did have a bit of a set too as well. Brown and... Ine- well, yeah. it's inevitable. <laughs> Bellamy was quite quiet in this. Previously, yeah. when he's played against us, I've, I've been terrified every time he got the ball, but meh. He's getting, he's getting We're getting lazy. better now. We're only losing 1-0 and not getting packed. But we should have won this because Barkley missed a very, very easy chance mm. that was more or less a tapping and he just hit it straight back at the goalkeeper. And I don't think Paddy Kenny made a save. Could and Neil Warnock could have made one. Yeah. Neil Warnock did say, <laughs> but he Neil, didn't. <laughs> Neil Warnock did say that Barkley had scored that twenty times out of twenty in his sleep, which he'd do well if he was sleepwalking, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. he? That's quite a good what skill. What was the penalty claim that Warnock was going on about? Handball. I, I, was, I wasn't sure if it was a Leeds hand or a Cardiff hand. I must be honest. It was one of theirs, I think. Was he prowling around with his laptop again? Because it seems to be he, he seems to do his very on, on red best. tube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrong tab. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Oh, uh, Mick must have been uh, looking at something, really. Uh, he's he's a great ass really, man. Really quickly. He's a great ass man, is, uh, is Mick. Moving on. Uh, Steve Morrison didn't make his debut in this because he's been carrying an injury, hasn't he? But Habib Habiboo did make his debut. And what a blistering start. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> awkward no, awkward let, silence. Let's not write him off <laughs> straight away. But it was probably as unimpressive as a debut could be. 
He didn't touch it for about 15 minutes. And then just as you thought he was going to, he just pretended he was going to touch it and he kind of shepherded it out of play for a, a Cardiff goal kick. Look, if, if, if his Twitter's anything to go by, he's just happy to be there, so let's leave him to well, it. Well, I'm sure he is. I'd, I'd be delighted if Leeds United were paying me as well. I would, uh, I, for some reason, the talk of uh, Habibu's, Habibu's, dear, this sounds terrible. What's his first name? It's ha- the same. <laughs> um, Mohamedou Habib Habibu. Him. Um, his incompetence reminded me of Brown's shot. <laughs> Did you see Brown's shot? Oh, yes. I think that's all, all that needs to be said about Brown's shot. And what, he walked away chuckling again. I'd say it was diagonally, if you put another two, you'd, it'd take at least another two goals on top of, easiest and way the to, side of Easiest way goal, to describe it. He was on the edge of the D, the ball rolled to him, and he just tried to side foot and place it, and he side footed it and placed it into any eleven. It's exactly <laughs> where it ended up. Brown, one good game, and then he comes back, chipping the ball into the back right, of the to, cop and walking away chuckling. To wrap it up, let's wrap put it Habibu up. Put Habibu in midfield. He's <laughs> put, gonna... And put Barkley in the centre. <laughs> Because yeah. he's, he's clearly the best midfielder we've got at the moment. I know he's not ours, but he's good. There was a moment in this game as well, because the atmosphere has been crap for ages. There was a moment, in the, I think it was in the first half, when the ball was coming from really high, surprisingly, and Barkley <laughs> just controlled it and moved it out of his feet. And the crowd just went, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, like, maybe that's what the crowd needs to get going. To people, witness people who can play football. To witness someone doing something that makes you think, bloody hell, that was good. I think with them... Um, uh, we shouldn't let uh, talking of the centre of midfield. We shouldn't let Brown shooting be criticised without having a word about Rudolph Austin at the moment. Yeah. At least he keeps it on the ground when he's shooting wildly the other side of the goal. Don't you think he needs a rest though? I mean, yeah. he's, he's played apart from his injuries. He, had, he played, had six weeks off. <laughs> he's played. That's non- a full school holidays. <laughs> he's played non-stop for a year now, hasn't he? He needs a, he needs a rest, and he's jetting off to exotic places. All the time. Maybe that's his holiday. He's in I, Mexico at the minute, isn't he? Chilling out. Sounds all right. Yeah, so in summary, we've improved a bit since the last podcast, I would argue. We've been a lot better. Yeah. We have. It's un- we've undoubtedly been acceptable. Yeah. I'm unhappy, though, with the causal relationship you're trying to establish between there being a podcast and the team improving. Because if you remember prior to that podcast, we had about four months where we didn't have one mm. and the team was terrible. And now there was a podcast and the team was good. I'm not happy having that on our shoulders. Okay. That's fine. But anyway, we're 12th, dead middle, very mediocre. That's probably appropriate for the podcast. Um, <laughs> six points off the playoffs as it stands. Statistically, going on the average number of points it takes to get in the playoffs. We are not going to do it. We need, we need 30 points from the remaining 17 games, which is 51 points, maths fans. What's, um, how many points a game is that? Uh, three in every five. 1.8 yeah. points per game is what that is. Are we uh, sure? Yeah. So let's many, call, let's what's, call that in, what's that in win, lose, or draw? Two points. Let's call it two points per game. But it's you get three points for a win, though. Yeah, but win and draw. Over two, two at home and oh, one see away. What you mean. Mm. So uh, can we muster ten wins out of the remaining seventeen? Nope. Can we get nine wins and three draws? Uh, nah. Eight so. wins and six draws. You've got to factor in the defeats. You see. See you next season. <laughs> The news. Well, gents, the transfer window is now. It's slammed shut, as Sky would have you believe. Boom, wallop. Let's rifle through the stuff that's happened in the window then. Trialists, transfers and speculation. Let's start with Becchio slash Morrison. If, if the transfer window had shut a bit sooner, we might have caught his tail in the door 
on his way out and like Tom in Tom and Jerry cartoons. Well, it was quite prophetic. Was the, him back. the last uh, the last podcast was quite prophetic because we we eulogised almost about uh, Luciano and now he's gone to join the big reunion at Norwich. It's just sad. I listened to that podcast after he'd already gone. It's just sad. Is the word for it. It's, there is just a sadness. What What's the underlying thing? Because we've got a, probably a very capable replacement in in, in the shape Don't of Morrison. Care. He's dead to me. Morrison, I'll back you. <laughs> Morrison. Not interested. Becchio's gone. That's he's fine. Like, he's like, Becchio is your mummy, and you don't want this new mummy. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> I'm not going to bed when you tell me. He's, yeah, you can't tell me what to do. You're not even my real mum. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I, I don't want Becchio to come back. I'm not going to yes, particularly... You do. Oh, yes, I do. I'm not going to particularly... I'm not going to find out where he lives in Norwich and turn up there. But I'm not interested in this Morrison character in the least. He's I imagine you sat at home head. listening to one of those heartbreak albums. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Bates, Archie. Archie, <laughs> And the underlying point, I guess, is that it's another cult hero sold and replaced by somebody we've got no no affection towards, as you've just been saying, Moscow. Got no, who is he? Why doesn't he spell his name properly? <laughs> at least, At least Luciano Becchio, as soon as you heard it, you could spell it. That's not strictly true. Not I, was, true. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this morning um, Tom Kerwin had dragged up some of his old uh, team sheets from the, the games where Becchio turned up on, on trial. And at that point, um, everyone thought he only had one name and the name was Luciano. He was just, all the all the team sheet was David Prutton and uh, Lubomir Michlik and then Luciano. So he even knew he had a surname. He didn't need one, does he? He's that cool. Didn't need one. And I, and I went into a, a reverie remembering um, feverishly looking on YouTube, and the only the only YouTube clip of Luciano was uh, of him scoring a goal in to get his team into the playoffs, and it was a great volley from outside the box. And when he scored the goal, the whole he runs towards the bench, and all the people on the benches run onto the pitch to embrace him. And there's this like ticker tape just thrown from the stands and people just like celebrating and babies being born. Like Eva Peron herself had walked onto the pitch. Exactly. It's wonderful. And I remember, I'm sure I probably put it on um, the square ball form at the time and said, if that happens every time he scores, he's going to be brilliant. And even if only in my own head, it did. And he was. And now he plays for Norwich. Cheers, transfer window. Um, and it appears that Colin basically wanted shut of him, didn't it? As soon as he realised his heart really wasn't in it. I mean, this yeah. is a it's a chicken and egg thing, this isn't it? He, did, why did, didn't he make him feel loved? Did Warnock really need an excuse to get rid of him? I mean, <coughs> if the stories are to be believed that he's basically been offered a chance to double his wages elsewhere, and he was going to be on thirty odd grand, we can't afford to pay him that, and I wouldn't really expect us to. No, I have no great problem with us getting rid of and replacing a striker of twenty nine for what would be equivalent to a decent fee. I don't really have a problem with it. I've read Soconomics, you know. The problem is when you don't receive much of a fee and you get another striker who's 29. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see what the upgrade is. And also we've swapped certainty for chance, which in some sense, I suppose, is exciting. But so, so have Norwich. Yeah. But they, I, he didn't do that well for them. They've not swapped 19 goals for no. four or whatever he's got this, this season. And I think a few people have tried to present it that we're getting the better end of the deal, Neil Warnock included. And I saw one, some nonsense on a, a forum where somebody said, oh, well, no, well, you see, Morrison's better because he's got better overall skill. It's like, it's not football manager. It's not his skill rating isn't seven. And Becchio's wasn't four. But it's 18 goals. Yeah. And, to do. and however, however you try to twist it, one player has gone up to the Premier League 
and one player has come down from the Premier League and it's not unreasonable to assume that the player coming down from the Premier League is not as good as the one who has just gone up to the Premier League. So I'm not buying the idea that Morrison is better. The difference is we haven't just banked a fee and we've actually Mm. replaced a player. Which I guess is part of the reason why people have been that bit more accepting of it because in the past that money's just disappeared into the money pit, hasn't it? Whereas True. obviously, you know, this way we've got, at least we've got a footballer in we, return. He isn't, unless he suddenly morphs into like a, an East Stand facility. If he suddenly becomes a, a massive, this is a massive robot again, isn't it? Halfway <laughs> through a game, he suddenly transforms into a hotel reception area. <laughs> a carpet. Um, well, it looks like the club turned down cash offers from China and Turkey. The, we're led to believe the, the highest bid there was 2 million euros, which works out to 1.7 million pounds, give or take. Would you have preferred that on, on Morrison? I think for the reasons stated, we've, you know, we have at least got a, a replacement of, um, even if he is, um, not my mum. Yeah. And I suppose in the, in the, the amount of time they had to do business, I mean, we could have had. No, we've had loads of time to do business. It's just we chose to do it late. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. That's true. I, mean, I was about to say it would have been difficult to get a player in, but then I suddenly just thought flashed through my mind. If the, if we put, wrote down the cash value of the Becky Otto Morrison deal is like two million. And then we look at how much Frazier Campbell cost, who is like, what, 24? A bit cost, older than that, probably. Right, 25, cost 650,000. So we could have maybe banked the 2 million for Becchio, gone and got Frazier Campbell outbid Cardiff and got a much younger player who arguably has certainly got more Premier League experience than Morrison has. Well, let's put it this way, get used to him because he's got three and a half years on his contract. It's um, going to be three and a half <laughs> glorious years. I look forward to, I'll be weeping and wailing over his transfer to uh, back to Norwich in three and a half years. But I, I, I don't think I will. And I meant to say as well, because the, the, talking about the, the closest of time, Becchio's departure, he sort of handled that all right, didn't he? I want to go, here's my transfer request. There's a bid, all right, we'll take it. See well, maybe we've become desensitised to it and that's why it didn't hurt as much. Well, I think just in terms of it didn't it didn't drag out. I mean, he's, he hasn't pulled a Peter Roddenwingy, put it that. We haven't had him <laughs> writing a... Not many could, I don't think. Tweet after tweet about the pain of being locked into a, in a, a loveless West Bromwich hellhole. So instead we got fucking Habib Habibu, who's done exactly that, tweeted nonstop about Leeds, the absolute mentalist. Yeah, but he was incoming rather than outgoing. That's true. Uh, well, he's on loan until the end of the season with an option to buy, isn't he? Um, I don't think we'll buy him. No, I don't. I, I think he's just a, a filler of gaps. That's what I think. Yeah, he's, he's the Andy Gray, but younger and more African and more duck chucking. I'd be interested to see where his uh, his loan deal shows up on our agents' fees at the end of the season. That would be intriguing to me. Is he another Willie Mackay? Um, I believe there is a Willie Mackay connection, funny enough. The guy who brought us uh, Lamine Sarko and Cyril Chapuis. Salaman uh, Alembe. Yep. Still and uh, Camera. <laughs> He's not, that's an old joke. So. Um, and uh, and so I, I sort of, because the only people who benefit from this sort of loan deal, as far as I can tell, would be the agent who sorts it out and sort of says, oh, well, you need a striker. I, I know where there is one. And uh, just loan him, loan him over. Pay me to sort it out. Send him back if it doesn't work. And the only the one person who sort of gets it guaranteed. Well, he's, he's a complete pleasure. He's a complete unknown quantity, isn't he? And on the basis of very little evidence so far, not great. But we'll just see what happens with that one. It's not like our entire season's resting on him. No. Um, Stephen Warnock also comes in as we mentioned, thirty-one years old, two and a half year contract to sign up for us mm. over West Ham because we offered him longer. 
Just as Eddie White was starting to look quite good. Yeah. You know he's going to be dropped now. <laughs> listen, no, listen, it's fine because he's been capped by England. Uh, yeah. I just think with both Morrison and Warnock and Tong, I think we'll probably be trying to release them in a year and a half's yeah. time. I can see that none of them will... Well, if they do see out the contract, it will be in a Paul Connolly style. I just think once Warnock leaves... These are the kind of players that will be on decent money who we are going to struggle to shift. Yeah. Well, um, we'll come on to that in terms of Danny Pugh and the outgoings on more than 10 grand a week, said Phil Hay in the Yorkshire Evening Post. Ouch! The thing with uh, Warnock's two and a half year contracts, I think when that's up, A.D. White's going to be like 29 himself. <laughs> so it is it is kind of, he is. I think we said about Tong last time, he's kind of blocking a space in the team that maybe we could have well, no, come got on, a better we, player. As Michael mentioned, we haven't got any right wingers in the squad. So AD can just revert to his natural position there. Plus, uh, there is just the, the outright confusion of having the same name as the manager, and just and having. To, this was the one where Warnock went into massive self-parody mode about the trying to get him. Oh, you know, I was present at his birth, and I was like, oh, I've been trying to get him ever since then. But he's, he's you know, he's, he's primary school. <laughs> they just wouldn't let him go. Really, he was too valuable to them. And uh, but I've always had him. Basically, he's, he's heard of him, and it, it kind of goes back to the. Uh, Watching Spurs on match of the day thing, it's like, oh, Stephen Warnock, he's always been good. He was in the World Cup squad once. Yeah, he'll be. Like, Michael Ricketts has played for England. He's a, bit, he's a bit transparent, is Neil Warnock as well. I wonder if the players notice. He's like a, a creep going around the bar going, oh, sorry yeah. from over there. I've always fancied you. Yeah, you, <laughs> I noticed you as soon as you walked in, actually. You're, uh, yeah, you really stand out. You're the best looking girl, innit? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, innit? <laughs> Maybe Brownie. <laughs> Uh, talking about wingers then, we didn't get Chris Burke and it was uh, interesting that they mentioned that they went in for him. So as long as we went in for him, that's fine. As long as we thought about it. And we and I think we sent a fax or something about Gradle as well. Before, yes. Before yeah. being laughed out of town. That whole, so yeah. We're just, we're just on the off chance that they, they put a typo on what they're willing to accept for him. Yeah. Um, the, that was a softener just before Becchio went though, wasn't it? But but uh, yeah, well that was it. Gradle, I mean, God, I mean, I, I, I believe they were quoted something in the region of six to eight million transfer fee. <laughs> and uh, wages and we yeah. couldn't pay 750 yeah. grand for Burke and the thing with uh, that as well going back to the um, would we rather have had a fee for Becchio or Morrison if we got the fee we could have afforded Frazier Campbell and Chris Burke with the, uh, the Becchio money well yeah but we've just been taken over by a Middle Eastern bank yeah. where's the money mm. why can't they just you They're know poor Middle Eastern bank <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, we couldn't afford three quarters of a million pounds or chose not to pay it because we're the principal sort of football club that we are, um, Chris Burke. <laughs> well, that was one of the things with uh, allowing Becchio to go. And I guess we'll come on to it with uh, Pew's wages as well, with people saying, oh, well, if we'd given uh, if we'd given Becchio what he wanted, then uh, Ross McCormack could probably be in for a pay rise next. As well, good, he probably deserves yeah, one. That's if, how it works. If we're going to ever keep any of our players, we are at some point going to have to give at least some of them a pay rise and it can't just be letting them all leave because if we give one of them a pay rise it's going to be anarchy there is logic in it though and all clubs have wage structures that they try to stick to and 30 grand a week if Becchio was holding out for that we shouldn't pay him it the problem is we have a wage structure that guarantees mediocrity and I would suggest we could possibly revise the wage structure to give us a greater chance of success without necessarily breaking a Middle Eastern bank that hasn't got any money. 
which may be where the plan falls down. Not with the income we're getting through um, gate revenue. <laughs> well, it's, it's our fault again. Yeah. If more of us turned up, Becky could have had his pay rise, Ross McCormack <clears throat> could have had his golden Cadillac, Elhad's chief could have got a new gold Cadillac because he would have given his old one to Ross McCormack because Ross McCormack doesn't get the best of anything. He'll always get the hand-me-downs. And um, <laughs> Luciano Becchio would be making my tea for me when I get home. Um, let's talk about mediocrity then. Paul Connolly's gone on loan to Preston. Good. As we mentioned, Danny Pugh is at Sheffield Wednesday. We managed to get Ross Barkley and they ended up with Danny Pugh. That seems like a fair trade to me. I thought it was a good tackle by Pugh on Saturday. But fair. <laughs> Strong but fair. And he's been brawling, shoulder to shoulder, best buddies, BFFs with uh, with Dave Jones. I hate Dave Jones more every time I see him. <laughs> I hope it, I'm, I'm glad they started winning a bit, actually, because I didn't want him to be sacked before he came to Ellen Road. I quite... Yeah. <laughs> We need these, these are small pleasures in life that we need yeah. to cling on to. Don't I'm quite we? looking forward to that. That's probably going to be the highlight of uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, Danny Pugh, apparently on over 10 grand per week. That's... We had that with the, uh, you remember you and uh, Mickey Morgan met Paul Connolly's best mate in Bristol? Yes, we did, yeah. So it wasn't his ballpark wages, about £25,000. No, well, admittedly, we were pissed in a kebab shop at about two o'clock in the morning. Mm. But his, yeah, his, his busy mate was there and he said he was on about eight grand a week. So, so Danny Pugh, I mean, yeah. it's not surprising. Yeah. This wage the structure we were talking Pugh. about. She was. <laughs> but uh, Kisnobo, he's on loan. Ipswich, end of the season, as we mentioned last time, probably on his way out. It's only a small bus ride to Norwich. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, out on loan, we're still paying him. Paul Rohubka, he's at Accrington Stanley. He's, he's, out, he's out of contract at the end of this year, isn't he? I don't know. I think probably. he is. He's got to be, hasn't he? Uh, you'd hope so. Connolly out in this summer. I think so, yeah. 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 This will be his third year, won't it? Deadwood. Jesus, three long years. (laughs) Also out on loan, Zach Thompson's at Bury, learning from the uh, Grandmaster Blackwell, as we Mm -hmm. mentioned last time. Youngsters out on loan, uh, Nathan Turner, Lewis Turner, both at Chester. Nice to see the Turners reunited together. Yeah, they've got to go around together. They work work better as a team. Conjoined. Um, Ross Killock is at Alfreton Town. Alex Cairns, Staley Bridge Celtic. Um, Charlie Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's, uh, he's up at Inverness and he this, tweeted a lovely picture today of Loch Ness. There's going to be a lot of uh, language difficulties with Charlie Taylor trying to locate him, trying to try to get a Savaloy in Inverness. Also on the way out, uh, Ramon Nunez uh, has been released. The little prince sent back to roam free in the Honduran wilderness. Still Ooh. injured as well, isn't he? Yeah. What a sad sight. He can't really wander. He can really only limp. Him it's like on he, crutches out like, of thought parts. I was going to say more like a uh, like an animal trap. He's wandering, he's wandering around the Honduran wilderness with a Limping. Uh, with a bear trap on his leg. <laughs> uh, Andy Gray, of course, being released. He's gone to Bradford and Robbie Rogers. As we spoke about extensively in the last podcast, he's away eating sushi somewhere and being profound. Shall we record a bit now for um, sort of a year, 18 months time when we're saying Michael Tong got out on loan to Preston. Good yeah. thing. <laughs> All agreed, yeah. Uh, Warnock... <sighs> Well, we've paid him off. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a good thing that Varney's wages are off the bill, but only a month's loan, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. But then Kevin Blackwell might be able to get the best out of him at Barry. So I'm glad we've signed 39-year-old Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> that last big contract. This What this list of released players... The- One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Players aside, what this tells us is buy cheap, you buy twice. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Because these are not players we paid much money for. Few, I think we paid a few hundred grand for. But we've paid them wages and have now paid them off. I think Danny Pugh is the perfect example of that because if you remember the start of that season, well, I think Grayson said it after he'd gone that he started that season all about getting Jack Cork, who ended up going to Southampton for money and they got promoted. And then we were basically making do with Danny Pugh, which uh, is going to be when he retires. (laughs) (laughs) Making do with Danny Pugh. Um, And yeah, so and and to get to get more wear out of your socks. So it's no wonder our agent fees are high and we have so many of these guys that's hanging around. We've got a large churn, haven't we? A player churn. There is a big, there's a lot of churn and not much butter. Mm, very good. Um, zero net spend then in the window, to all intents and purposes. We are essentially skint, aren't we? Looks kind of like it. There was a lot of people trying to tell me I should have been happy about this transfer window. So oh, it's the best one we've had for a while because, you know, we've got Danny Pugh's wages are off the, are, are off of the, the wage bill and we've well, there's a good chance they're not off the wage bill we'd be paying yeah. a, a big chunk of those some wages. of them yeah and he could come back but then Nunes at least we've got his wages off Robbie Rogers isn't going to be a drain on we've the club we've paid them anymore. off though they've not agreed to leave well yeah. this is what they've not just gone oh do you know what yeah I'm not getting a game I'll I'll just go I'll it's, sacrifice all my money but it's weird it's been presented by a lot of people it's like the best transfer window we've had in years because we've managed to sort of reduce the wage bill and maybe there's just some streak of old-fashioned romanticism that just is just too near the surface with me. But when I go into a transfer window, I think, let's sign some brilliant players. That would be a successful transfer window. Let's buy some wonderful footballers. That could I, um, and instead it's just, oh no, you see, we've managed to, uh, to, to reach conclusion on this contract early and we've, uh, we've re- renegotiated the terms with a few of the long players. This is all down to Bates completely lowering it's not, I wouldn't even put it down to Bates. I think you know, it's, 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 we've had our expectations lowered so much and we've been taught to think like business people. Yeah. But, um, but I remarked to somebody today, when you're fed on eight years of shit, then a spoonful of mud tastes quite nice and that's what people are doing. They're reacting to it relatively. I think, yeah. I don't know if it's Bates necessarily, but it is this... Um, overwhelming desire to just sort of rationalise everything out of the way. And it's just kind of the rational approach to that transfer window doesn't leave me feeling good. Whereas an irrational approach where we had bought some players and I like the sound of them because they weren't Morrison and they weren't replacing Becky L would be more of an exciting conclusion because 
the whole reason Sky Sports are able to push up the the Sky Sports deadline day as a as a hype machine is not so that they can go breaking news QPR's wage bill reduced as a player's contract cancelled. No, it's because they can say there are six players in balaclavas outside QPR and we're going to pull them off, one, not pull them off, pull the balaclavas <laughs> off one by one. That's going to be next season is when they start wanking off players into outside Loftus Road. Red nap through a car window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they nearly like, do anyway, to be fair. I want to see your commitment. And that's it. It's like, who are they going to sign? Whereas with us, it's just like, no, we're, we've got to take a, a, a... Oh, we've trimmed the fat off the meat a little bit there, haven't we? Oh, yes. I think we've fiscally, fiscally, it's been magnificent. Right. I'm going to say, stop being miserable because... In this window, we lost Becchio and we got Morrison, All right. which is which is and a bit of money. You say well, you know, no, no, you're great. going to stop me being miserable. <laughs> no, and no, you no, start no, by no, talking about Becchio but, going. We've but, covered this. We've covered this. Pipe down. While he's down. But the previous window, we lost Snodgrass and we got Varney. In another recent window, we lost Gradle and we got Pew. So put it into context. This has been a this is a golden era. <laughs> Hey, listen, let, let's let's go on to something. We are running out of time in this bit, so let's do something positive. Sam Byram has signed a new contract. Hooray! Um, he'd already signed uh, pro terms, hadn't he, earlier in the season, or a new contract, and now he's had yep. another one, which is uh, thumbs do, up GFH Capital. Well done. Do you think every time um, a player asks for a transfer, Sam Byram gets a new contract? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to tie one of them down, for God's sake. Um, did you know he's been the only ever present this season? I did, because I read it on the website. Exactly, yeah. that's where I, I found it too. Yes. <laughs> it's madness, really, isn't it? But yeah, it's good to see he's been tied down anyway. And it means He'll be knackered keep... next year then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shin splints. It's what happened to Gary <laughs> Kelly. Gary Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on then to the international call-ups. Ross McCormack was called up for Scotland versus Estonia to be played at Aberdeen by Gordon Strachan. Yep, yeah, and his assistant. Gary Mack. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but he had to pull out, didn't he, due to suspected flu illness. They'll pick him again. It won't be like the... the Craig Levine just ignoring him out of spite. Yeah, hateful man. Did he get the train up there? Because I've been on, I've been on trains with Scottish people. <laughs> <laughs> they all seem a bit ill when they get off. <laughs> oh God, the racism has started again. Uh, Rudy Austin uh, decided he wanted to play for Jamaica, so they let him, and he flew out to Mexico. Jermaine Beckford got a call up for this, didn't he as well? Yeah, hamstring injuries done for him. That's oh. a shame. But I'd love to see him play for. Why is it? Why is it taking so long to? come about this because well, he, he, be, he could have been playing them they've been scratching around in the loft for his grandma's nationality yeah. papers that's what's happened <laughs> the only, he's only just been on who do you think you are and they uh, they finally tracked down his Paul uh, his Green uh, Paul Green got called up to the island lot and Tom Lees came on as a late sub for the England under 21s as they beat Sweden 2-0 and uh, Chris Dawson the uh, next year's scapegoat for Warnock he was called up to the Wales under 21s for having talent but we don't recognise it anyway they played uh, today this afternoon didn't they Against Iceland in Hlenethli. He'll be confused when he gets there, but Neil always tells me just to play it, just to hoof it long. Yeah. What do you mean, keep it on the grass? Yeah. I, I mean, I know our striker's shorts, but he can fight for it once it's in the mixer. And finally, uh, the club have launched a Facebook page, Not Before Time, which is great. Um, and it's very good too, I think. They've got lots of uh, excellent historical photographs on the timeline. How many friends have they got? Uh, I don't know. It was. I think when I liked it, it was about 10,000, but that was quite early I imagine it's probably you got there when the cool kids were getting in yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about 15 or 20 thousand now I but... actually held out for a bit because I didn't want to be like, seem like I was desperately <laughs> jumping keen, in there. first kid at the party and yeah, all that, yeah. Yeah. but yeah they're going to be opening it up to public suggestions for what else to stick on the timeline which I think will be good and I am told that a new club website is to follow when you say there's like old pictures on there can we look through pictures of Becchio and uh... no he's been airbrushed from our <laughs> history 
But yeah, new website to follow, so we look forward to seeing that because I think the uh, the website is awful. The current one is looking. We have a spell checker on it. It's acting pretty dated, isn't it? <laughs> it's awful. The Squareball Podcast with thegeldedend.com. So I'm pleased to say we're joined on the podcast now by Andy Pye. All right, Andy. I am. You are the man behind Wish You Were Here. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a, it's a collection of photos that we've uh, we, we've put together, obviously, collected uh, from a lot of friends and people who we know. Uh, we've, this is obviously coming up to uh, the book launch that we we do next Friday. Um, the, 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 the photos are from, like, the uh, early to late 80s of, you know, people, days out, friends together. It's a big collection of various people who we know, but it's showing sort of a bit of a youth movement on the casual scene of, like, the clothes and, you know, days out, really. It, it, gives, you, it gives you a good impression. Sort of what that time was all about. Um, it was a little bit different around the country in different places, but what you see here is just some phenomenal photos, really, and we've managed to put them together for a book. So it's not just exclusively about like football or Leeds United, it's sort of broad. No, 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 not at all. No, obviously, these lads were following Leeds and uh, they were going to the games, but it's not when you, you could look through the book and it would give you more of a, an impression of uh, how life was in that, in that era as opposed to seeing a load of kids jumping around, football matches and a lot of... I mean, we, we, we're not saying there wasn't any trouble at, at games and things like that, because there was, but these photos aren't about that. This is all about promoting the photographs from what lads had taken. It's, obviously, they've all had a good eye for a good photograph, so we collected them together and obviously wanted to showcase them to, uh, to other people. This follows on from the exhibition you had at Temple Works yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, and it was also... You also went to Brooklyn yeah, and Paris. Right, yeah. How did they go down? Really well. I mean, there's uh, one of the one lads we know out there, uh, Johnny Lake. He um, he knows a lad out there called Wes Henstock, who's back in the UK now. But he ran sort of the division of like, the Brooklyn White. So this is all Leeds fans who'd meet up for the live games. And there's a place um, just o- over the Brooklyn Bridge uh, in Dumbo, and called the Powerhouse. And that literally is a massive like bookstore. But in the back they do all photographic exhibitions. But you don't just get asked to go down there. It's not. Well, you just turn up and put your pictures up. You get asked to go there anyway. Wes had approached them to put the pictures in there. And I think they had about two or 300 people in there um, on, on the first night it opened, which was, you know, people from all over. There loads of expats live over in New York. So there were Chelsea lads, Liverpool lads, people, West Ham lads. So there were a lot of people there who, who weren't necessarily Leeds fans, but were there to see the pictures. It was phenomenal. It was a really, really good turnout. So where's this exhibition in Leeds? Next week, so it's going to be it's going to be at the White Cloth Gallery, uh, which is situated on Air Street, just behind the back of the uh, train station. So just behind the back of where the uh, Queen's Hotel is as well. It's literally two rooms for a gallery, so it's split between the two top rooms. But you've also got two bar areas as well, which lead up to there. So it's a great space. I mean, they do a lot of stuff for charity in there. They do a lot of shows, a lot of exhibitions. And when I went to visit it back in um, October last year for a lad who I knew. As soon as I saw it, I knew that was where I wanted to obviously hold this exhibition and as book launch. So, yeah, I think most people get would see it. It'll do. It'll do the photos and the book justice. I'll say that. And it's also free entry as well. Yeah, free entry. Nothing at all. Yeah, just bring yourselves down, and if you can, you know, we'll make some money for charity because that's where all the uh, the money goes to from the books. It all goes to candle lighters and also goes to St Gemma's as well. So there's no money to be made from any of us who've done the book. You know, we've solely done this because we've loved enjoying the project and, and making sure that we, uh, you know, we make as you know what we can for charity. Plus, we've had a partnership. We've added us as well. They're part of the. Uh, 
they're set up with as well and they've uh, they've got their logo um inside the book and they've done some bespoke adverts for us as well why is it called wish you were here then what's the thinking behind that uh, so the wish you were here uh, comes from um, one of the other lads who's been involved with us carl skiddo most people know him as skiz it was around the people who are no longer with us you know who are in the photos because when you look at the pictures, there's a lot of people in there who've passed away over the years. Uh, hence that title, Wish You Were Here. You know, obviously, for some of them, there's a lot of friends out there who, who know these people. So that's where that's where it came from. Obviously, people obviously uh, link it to, to Pink Floyd and what have you, which with Floyd and what have you, was a fairly big thing with a lot of people growing up. But um, ultimately, yeah, that's, that's what the title's all about. And where can people get the book from? So the people can uh, can do one or two things. You can um, order the book from uh, the Wish You Were Here website, which the, the website is wishyouwerehereabook.com, and you can order direct from there uh, to pick it up from the exhibition or if you don't live anywhere in the vicinity or if you can't visit over the, uh, you know, from the Friday the 15th to Tuesday the 19th, you can, uh, you can pay for it to be posted and we'll get it out to you uh, over the weekend. You can also buy it at the exhibition as well. You know, we'll, it'll be available for people to buy throughout the whole exhibition weekend. Looking back to the casuals era, how do you view it now? I think if you look back, it was um, it's a massive thing because when, when you look at the way culture is now and uh, the labels that people still wear to football games, you will see that you will still get older lads wearing you know, gazelles, they'll be wearing sambas, they'll be wearing, you know, the, the V-neck jumpers. So looking back on it, it was it was a it was a place in time which has stood the test of time because it's all come back around again with all the heritage labels, you know, feeler, you've got a Leste and Adidas. I mean Adidas have got a you know a huge brand anyway, but the, if you look at what people are wearing now, it's obviously come from the eighties and it all goes back and you know, even the limited edition trainers that you can buy these days from back in the 80s like you know Adidas jeans Adidas tobacco and things like that they're all still available now but will cost you probably twice as much as they did back then because there's been a spate of um, sort of books like retrospectives of the 80s hooligan yeah. era how, yeah. how is this different in terms of approaching it as casuals uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with it in regards to the way the book has been written I mean the, the, the actual narrative inside the book done by Pat Slaughter who writes for Sabotage Times it's a, a very, very good piece and a, it gives you a great insight as to what that time was all about. This book is about the photographs. Like I said previously, yeah, them things did go on, but there's no there's no in any way promoting any of that. We had an, a, a deal with Adidas that, you know, the photos were about, you know, a time and a place. They weren't about promoting hooliganism. Things like Green Street and those films and what have you, they portray it in one way, another book's portraying it in another way, but that's not that's absolutely nothing to do with this. We're, we're selling this solely on the photograph. Do you think we've sort of lost something from that era? Um, I don't think we've lost anything. I think yeah, people like to uh, look back. I mean, I, I look back on it as a kid being at school and wearing my Adidas trainers and Patrick Cagoules and things like that, and it was great. I mean, you know, wearing fathers for school, and until a couple of years ago, I was wearing fathers for work, but... Um, <laughs> You know, them type of things, you look back and people love them. And, you know, and that's why vintage stores do so well, because the tracksuit tops and the coats, people still want to buy them. But you go into sports shops now and even places, you know, like the hip store of uh, a part sponsors on our uh, on our bags for the exhibition. They'll do them collections and you are paying a lot more money from these days. So it has an effect. People still want to buy those stuff. A lot of people miss that era. So they want to sort of relive it. Even the younger kids, 20 up to 30, they're the kids who were never involved in that time, but look back on it and want to be involved in it. But they do it through 
you know, buying clothes these days, not not what they could buy then. And there's a growing movement, the the stand against uh, modern football movement now that very much harks back to that era of fashion and and the eighties and terrorists, you know, just that sort of culture. Um, what does modern football miss that we maybe had back then? Times change, don't they? And obviously. These days, people have a bit more money. Obviously, the jobs are probably better paid. But back then, this was a group of lads who would travel all over. Not, not just lads, these girls as well. You'll see from the photographs, there's a lot of girls who used to go to a lot of these games. And um, they they would just go on days out. They would, the weekends, they'd end up, you know, you could be in Blackpool one time, could be in London another time. Um, and then you could be in Nesbury and you could be in Otley. And these photos are showing you a sort of almost like a journey of these people who were very closely knit and went all over the place together and they've shown up. I mean, some of the photos you'll see in the book, you know, like lads on, on buses in London, you know, on the top deck of a bus in London, you know, and they're all these lads. But, you know, primarily they're there for a good day out and to go and see some football. It wasn't all about getting tools up and arranging to have a fight by uh, some bridge or whatever. But, you know, as, as I always said, that you can't deflect from the fact that that was there, that, the, you know, these people just went and they enjoyed the weekends and had a, you know, had a good time out in different towns and cities. Do you think there's still an element of that that we carry through as Leeds fans that makes Leeds United away days so special? I think they do, yeah. I mean, Leeds has a tremendous following away from home. You only have to see that when Leeds ended up in, a, in one of the lower divisions, most of these clubs had never seen uh, attendances of away fans, let alone a full ground. Lads who I know just follow it all over. You know, they follow it, you know, home and away. And that's it. That's the thing. The thing with Leeds fans is always been like, it's very close knit. A lot of people go out and, and that's what it is. They look forward to the weekends, the away games. I think every club that brings Leeds to their ground and gives them a portion of tickets will always know that they'll sell it out. Always. Andy, remind us when the exhibition is then. Okay, so the exhibition um, starts next Friday night, um, the 15th of February. Uh, it will commence at 7 o'clock. It will be officially open from uh, from Bryn Law, from Sky Sports. I know Bryn from playing football uh, with him for a couple of seasons at Bardsley. So he's going to come down. There's going to be people down there for photos and it's going to be filmed over the weekend. So we are going to put a collection together for afterwards to go online and add it after. Um, are going to uh, show that onto their sites as well. And it'll run on um, on Friday from 7 till 11. Then on Saturday, it'll be open all day from 12 midday until 11 at night. We'll on the Sunday, obviously, due to the Leeds game being on. But we'll back open on Monday and Tuesday from 12 midday just until late. So people can visit throughout both those days as well. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Andy. It's all right. Good okay, luck with then, it, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Coming up. Coming up in the next fortnight, then first game is on Saturday against Wolverhampton Wanderers away at Molyneux. Uh, and then we follow that with a trip to Middlesbrough to the Riverside. That's on the Tuesday after that. And then another away game. This one will be easy. Man City away on the telly in the FA Cup fifth round on Sunday the 17th. Dissect that lot then. All I remember about playing Wolves recently was uh, the opening day when um, Ross McCormack crossed and uh, Luciano Becchio Swept, already. swept the ball home. He's gone. Leave um, it. Uh, so it'd be, it would have been nice if something like that could, could happen again. And then, and then middle, Middlesbrough away. Let me stop you. I know what happens at Middlesbrough when we play them. W- what is that, Daniel? There's an Argentinian that <laughs> scores. Very good goals. Some of his best goals are saved yeah. for, for Middlesbrough, I think you'll, you'll find. And some of his Listen, finest he's, swearing. His history, as we just said, he's been airbrushed from the record now. And Morrison's um, the future. Wolves, when he's fit. Wolves if he's are, ever fit. Wolves are in trouble. Uh, they're managed, Seth Johnson, Mark too. Mark my words. They're managed by Dean Saunders and they are currently 21st. 
just two points above relegation. Last season, Danny Pugh scored against a Dean Saunders side when he was Doncaster manager. He did, yeah. Think of so that. that yeah. just goes to show his abilities. <laughs> Dean Saunders is all about the uh, the positivity from what I've read and all about the uh, also the Dean Saunders managerial career. I think there's a touch of the Steve Bruce's in his ascent from uh, from Wrexham to Doncaster the to Doncaster Wolves. Doncaster fans had, had a big banner as well last year because he just he's just been appointed manager there and they had a Dean Saunders Barmy Army. Yeah. Which is not a it doesn't flow anyway. Dean Saunders. Dean Saunders. Saunders, no, Saunders, Saunders no. Is? Dean Saunders. <laughs> no. Probably worth a bit better because it's Jan Starback and yeah. Wol- Wolvish. Anyway, they're Vol- shit. Vulpine they're, Army. They're shit. They're bottom of the form table. They've only got Not two, the form table. Yes, they've only got two points in the last six games. If I was Neil Warnock, I would say to you, you look at his statistics. You can't, you can't be relegated for, uh, for being bottom of the form table, though, really, can you? Well, Unless you're well, there all season. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. We're 17th with six points, i.e. two wins out of our last six games. But what about the home form table? Again, Warnock mode. You're never this happy, is, are this you? This has been played at Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> but I've won 25 games in a row at, at home. What do you want me to do away? Well, that was what he talked about with signing Warnock, was saying that um, we might be able to play a little bit more away like we do at home. Yeah, I know. Really badly. <laughs> <laughs> but win. We're fine now, aren't we? We're all right now. We've got yeah, a yeah. problem. A.D. White and Luciano Becchio out of the firing line. Um, they can do no harm, no more. We uh, we should beat Wolves, shouldn't we, by rights? should, really. Which means You've seen our side. exactly the sort of game we'll go and lose because we beat Tottingham when we should have been thrashed. These lot are in terrible form. Mm. They'll beat us. And they do seem to be mostly the players who got relegated. So it's still like a Premier League squad, apart uh, you know from what? that guy who went to West Ham for money. I think we might beat these lot on Saturday. I have a feeling. I'm predicting a two-all draw. Interesting. Thoughts, chaps? I feel we, we might win this. I'm going for a win as well. I, oh, this is a, a wave of optimism. Apart from here. Yeah, well, yeah, you haven't said yeah. a defeat, which is a start. Yeah, I'm getting all... I've got the Saving kind of, that for uh, Middlesbrough. What do you I've think about that? The, the kind of pre-Huddersfield feeling about the Wolves game, where I think I predicted that was going to be a four-all draw, and this feels two-all draw, so extrapolating maybe we'll have a 2-1 win. Yeah, I think that, that works for me, so we're going to win definitely. Right, Middlesbrough Middles- will Middlesbrough. Yeah, do you think we're going to lose that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They are in good form. Um, didn't they get hammered the other week? I'm sure. I'm sure they lost four 0 to someone. But yeah, they look maybe. quite. They look good at Ellen Road. They're in the playoff spots. These lot four points clear of seventh, and they've got a game in hand. So, well, a good chance to rein them in. Well, yes. <laughs> if, if we if we do win this, though, do you think we're in with a shout? Or I think that's no, why we want about win. another 15 teams in between. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I think that's the thing. Is to get in the playoffs, we've got to beat the teams that are in the playoffs, and that's why with Middlesbrough being in the playoff positions. We won't win. And if we did get in the playoffs and Middlesbrough also there, they'd beat us there too. Well, they've won f- uh, four, 10 of their 14 at home, so the odds are very much stacked in their mm-hmm. favour anyway. I mean, we do we do tend to do quite well against them. because Luciano Becchio tends yeah, to score against right. them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If we go back through history, when was the last time Luciano Becchio did not score the winner for Leeds against Middlesbrough? I think you have to go back to something like 1962. Yeah. statistically well I predict a draw in this one I think we're going to go and beat them for the next two games yeah you say, you say the next two but surely yeah. game three is the easiest of the well yeah well, the pressure's going to be off <coughs> yeah well you never you never know do you because we're stupid we're, we're stupid and we're enigmatic which was the word I used at the top of the podcast we are we, we'll we'll do quite well probably against them and lose heroically. You just don't know, do you? I think we do. We're talking about Man City here, by the way. (laughs) And it's the current Man City as well. This isn't the the old freakish Man City. Not Danny Tiato and (laughs) that kind of... (laughs) Jamie Pollock's own goal. It's... um... Terry Phelan still there? (laughs) Because they used to be a shambles and they will be again. Even 
Man City fans I know fully, I think that one of the reasons why they're kind of immune to the jibes about them being rich and buying the Premier League and stuff is that they just go, yeah, we know. But at some point, we'll probably just go bust and end up in the fourth division like overnight. We know that's coming. Because if you think back, I mean, the circumstances of their relegation when Niall Quinn was on the touchline telling them the wrong score, (laughs) that they just had to play for for a draw. Yeah, play for a draw and they needed to win. Bollocks. And Jamie, I always get those two confused. And Jamie Pollock's like scoring the most spectacular own goal to send them down and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just the way they are as a club. So, but at the moment they are just too, they're too sorted. It's not their time to implode. Um, so I think they, they may well just brush us aside. I mean, all right. Michael Brown against England's Scotty Parker was one thing. Michael Brown <laughs> against the Every, tour, any everybody. number of. <laughs> Highly paid internationals. Yeah, yeah. Torre, company. Oh, he might have a chance to get Nasri. Nasri's soft. But the rest of them, yeah, imagine him chasing Carlos Tevez. Just picture that for a while. Just picture it. Tevez bursting from midfield. Won't with, be pretty. With Michael Brown in hot pursuit. <laughs> so I think we'll have a, a more difficult difficult time. Byron will handle David Silver magnificently. Probably make one mistake and then be whipped all the way back to uh, back to Leeds by Neil Warnock. He'll be running on the, the hard shoulder, won't he? Yeah. Like they're driving the coach back over the Pennines. Like. They'll probably just... In, uh, in your underpants, in your vest. <laughs> like a merciless games teacher. The Ken Bates, villain of the fortnight. So what's Ken getting nominated for uh, this fortnight? Our fortnightly award that we give to somebody who has contributed to the ongoing misery as our role as Leeds United fans. Walking away with £50 million and leaving us with fuck all. He's not got £50 million <laughs> Whatever he got. He got too much. He's got more than that in his bank, I'm sure. Yeah. Just, are we just going to give him this his nomination just in perpetuity for being him now? I was going to nominate him for being suspiciously quiet. This it, it, it isn't like him. Is he potentially dead? You know, and when like occasionally dictators die <laughs> and they pretend he hasn't. Yeah, we could nominate him for dying and not telling us because it's the one like good thing left he has left to do is die. And if he were to do it and just never tell us, just to deny us the pleasure of enjoying it, that would be very, very baitish. Very typical of him. Yeah. So can we nominate him on the strength of the suspicion that that's what he might have done? Yes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, so that's Ken Bates, for the first nominee is the late Ken Bates. <laughs> All right, who else do we want to uh, chuck into the mixer then for this one? Chris. Gillingham's goalkeeper. Sorry? Gillingham's goalkeeper. You see, that's yeah, how... Yeah, I, I heard his first time just explain Is he why. the guy that's back from the prison, man? No, no, no. The, the guy that's back from the prison, man. <laughs> the guy that's back from the prison. Man. No, anyone. I was being a hippie. Back from inside, man. I'm sure it was the Gillingham keeper, but it certainly took place at Gillingham. Um, he was bending down to take a, a goal kick at the end of the game. Ah, oh, I know. And a fan about. ran from behind the goal. Ah, yes. And pushed him over from behind. He could have broken his back. Vile How, animals. A vile animal it was. Um, and Don Goodman was commentating and did finally said, well, we've seen too much of this kind of thing this season from Leeds United. Um, <laughs> and it was just treated as, um, um, it cropped up on that 101 Great Goals site, which went into overdrive when Leeds did it. And they were, they find this vile thug, the pictures that shamed football. But when it happened in a third division game, it's like... Look at this quirky lower league antics. Eh? Oh, banter. Pushed him over from behind, ran for the stewards. Look, the steward fell over. Fantastic. you got to love the grassroots football. Why are you doing a Warnock you? impression? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he probably, I don't know, it's default. Um, Can we, is there any way to shoehorn Dave Jones into this? For, uh, for somebody relating that to? Failing to protect Jan- Danny Beautiful Pew. 
yeah. I believe Danny Pugh's, uh, he took a... Pugilist. Pugilist took, he took a punch that was intended for Jones. There's no evidence that that happened. <laughs> but we're, we're struggling a bit for nominees here. Any more? Chris Hewton. Why? Why? <laughs> he says, why? <clears throat> I think you've been harping on for the last two fucking hours. You can give it to, we'll say Paul Lambert, because he'd have signed him if he could as well. It's, uh, surely the fault is Delius. Interesting. We're going higher. Got a thing, got a thing for a men raised well, in the north. None Snodgrass of us are safe. And Johnson and Housen. Well, they just wanted their mate back. Oh. I mean, who could blame them for? They're building that mega robot you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, let's uh, let's wrap this bit up because we're talking bollocks. So, which uh, <clears throat> which of our nominees is going to get it? Is it going to be Ken Bates? No, has Dave Jones been nominated. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Dave Jones. Yeah. Yeah. We've not really got thrown in ticket office for the Man City uh, ticket policy. That's uh, probably not their fault. That's a bit... Uh, what's wrong with it? No, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just everyone's right. whinging about it. <laughs> I thought it was all right. Kind of like there's, no, there's no fair way of doing it, but everybody's <laughs> a late, a late whinging. One, a late one trotting up on the rails there, but I, don't, I think we're going to have to exclude that okay. steward's inquiry. The Pugilist, uh, Dave Jones. Dave, are we just going to give it to Dave Jones? I'm happy to. Yeah, I think so. Any other business? Hey, listen, we neglected to mention in our mega double-sized comeback girth cast last time that it was our third birthday um, at the start of January when we podcasted last. And I took the trouble. Uh, is it because, really only three? Yes, it is. Um, I looked back at the team that played against Manchester United at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, the team that we uh, put out that day. Norwich, so we, as they're also yeah, known. Yes, we launched off the back of that game. So here they are then. Casper Ankergren got released by Leeds, now at Brighton. Jason Crow got released by Leeds, now at Corby Town in the Conference North. I'm sure he's doing brilliantly there. Richard Naylor released, now at Thorpe Arch, coaching children. They all come back. Kisnarbo, out on loan to Ipswich, soon to be released probably. He's a survivor, like Destiny's Child. Sam. Andy Hughes was sold, wasn't he? Well, he was released actually, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he got now, that um, new contract and then we thought better of it and then he, he cried on Yorkshire Radio. Now at Charlton. Um, Johnny Howson, sold, Norwich. Neil Kilkenny, released, Bristol City now. Doyle, his loan ended, he's now at Sheffield United. Uh, Bradley Johnson, released, now at Norwich. Jermaine Beckford released, technically left on a Bosman, but you know, same thing. And he's now at Leicester slash Huddersfield. Slash Jamaica. Slash Jamaica indeed, yeah, on his holes. <coughs> Luciano Becchio, sold, Norwich. Way too much Norwich in that list. On the subs bench, David Martin, loan ended from Liverpool. He's now at MK Dons. Where? It's not even a real football club, is it? Uh, Dave Prutton, released, now at Sheffield Wednesday. Doesn't look right with short hair. Grella, released, now at Scunthorpe. Doesn't look right with long hair. Mikulik, I, I don't think list, he's list got long this, hair. Listen to this. Hmm. Here's one for you. Mikulik, released, now at FC Kairat Almaty in Kazakhstan. When did that happen? Early this year. Really? Yes, honestly. Very nice. Um, Robert Snodgrass, sold Norwich. Why was he on the bench that day? We had tactics. We had Doyle in midfield. Tactics. Um, but we did bring him on. You remember his free kick? I do the bar. That. If only that had gone in, it would have made a, a perfect day even more perfecter. Tony Capaldi, loan ended from Cardiff. He's now at Oxford United in League Two. And uh, a young lad called White, who is amazingly still at the club. There you go. They're not going to be playing for much <laughs> longer. Right winger Aidan White, one for the future. So he's uh, he's the only one who's properly still at the club. Amazing, and he, isn't it? In three years. So we talk about player churn. And who was our manager that day? Uh, Shagger, what's his name? Whatever happened to him? He got sacked. That's what happened to him. Um, so you can, you, you can do it with money. All he needed was a bit of financial backing and he'll be right up there, up there, telling you. Anyway, he wasn't, uh, wasn't dispensed with this time, was he? Mm. He parted company with Huddersfield. Interesting what Dean Hoyle said. Dean Hoyle, he's, he sort of said a lot there, which can be summed up as saying um, he's panicking that they might get relegated, so he's knee-jerked and sacked the manager. Worsening displays, a run of just six points, no wins in 12. Mm. 
Mm. It's weird. Most Does there no rumours about anybody at the training ground? Most Huddersfield fans seem quite happy with Grayson. Not happy with the run of form, but I don't think they were there wasn't protests or anything. There wasn't like get this I think the Leeds connection didn't help, but there wasn't like a, a big ground swell against him. Just like I said, it seems like Dean Hoyle's kind of just got a bit freaked out that they might get relegated and, and so I mean everybody's sacking the manager, so why not? I mean, he didn't get a chance to turn it round properly, did he? But then again, as as Hoyle said, t- you know, tailing off alarmingly performances as a team and from individual players, which suggests that something had gone drastically wrong. But we saw it in every season he was with us. We, we had the slump, didn't we? And we never really recovered from it. It was always yeah. spluttering over the line. So maybe he's, you know, he's, he's at the limit of his abilities. I was just about to say, it's, it, we know that he does that. And it, even at Leeds, the slump, he did generally turn them around like the promotion season towards the end we had fantastic form for the last few games so I'm sure he wouldn't have taken them down but big, room, big rumours of him going back to Blackpool now as well would they have him question he question <laughs> sorry why do you know nothing about that yeah. that's the one he didn't leave on particularly good terms but that was more because the Oystons wanted to sue Bates over yeah. the way they took him so I don't know the Oystons are not nice going. people anyway um, anyway, well, good luck to him. He was all right for us, didn't he? he? Got us promoted, so fair play to the man. Would um, you take him back compared to now? Yes, yes. God, However, I'd, I'd hope <laughs> there would be something else out there for us. Uh, look, look forwards, not back. Um, right. Speaking of which, issue six of the magazine is out now. Buy it from us next time you are down at Ellen Road. Uh, issue seven will be out for the Blackpool game. It will indeed. It'll be great. Um, yeah, you have to look out carefully for that because it's going to be dark. So please look. Yeah closely for ourselves maybe, in, maybe uh, this in the is night. when we we have to invest in hive's jackets would that work <laughs> or i don't think that would work no at okay. all. and don't forget if you want to write anything and send it to us if you've got a, a bit of a, a literary uh bee in your bonnet then stick something down email it to us mag at the square ball.net we, we might stick it in there and in the mag as well yeah yeah and last but not least we have to say thank you for donuts somebody's trying to make us fat we've probably got a feeder out there we received a whole dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, didn't we? Uh, we have. Which averages out to three each. How have you had Moscow? I've had three. And very tasty they were as well. I've just these, had the one, but, you know. They were, uh, these are in honour of our third birthday. Some Not everybody forgot, we forgot. Claire did not forget. We get donuts, everybody wins. We'll forget again every year. So yeah. we'll have to have four each next year. Although, well, Michael, you've not had any. You're still in your room. Um, hey. Post-watching my, watching my figure. No one else will. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks to Claire Healy who sorted us out with the Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you very much. Uh, don't forget to drop us an email, podcast at thesquareball.net. You can tweet at the square ball, go to facebook.com forward slash the square ball, and we will endeavour to get back to you if you get in touch with us. Uh, we'll be back around the week of the Blackpool game at some point there. It's around the 20th of Feb. And that's us done for now. So bye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow White. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Supported by thegelderdan.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.